I'm Tommy Salmons. This is Year Zero. Well, it's been an interesting week. About as entertaining as I had expected with the election. I uh, cast my ballot for none of the above, hoping a resurrection of Richard Pryor from the grave and let him take over the presidency. That's the only thing that would have made me happy. But other than that, I uh, don't really want to talk about all that craziness too much. What I do want to talk about is what is happening, I want to say globally, but more um, in lines with in international corporations, the alignment of the progressive and socialist billionaire hating left and corporations in the billionaire class. And this isn't something new. It's not something that I only <laughs> noticed yesterday or anything like that. It's something that has been on my mind for quite a while. And uh, when when Johnny Rotten came out and endorsed Donald Trump, you saw all the whole punk community saying that Johnny Rotten had sold out. And then it wasn't but a couple of days later that you saw a a black man protesting internet censorship by these big tech companies, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that shit. And Antifa attacked him for protesting international corporations. (laughs) I was like, what? what?" (laughs) And you see in the wake of the election with the results still pending the anti quote unquote anti corporate left which I think could be more uh, legitimately upgraded to the corporate left uh, rallying around Biden and, and defending corporations and on the side of Wall Street despite their rhetoric. And they'll they'll talk and they might throw a protest, you know, they might occupy Wall Street in a protest and cause some problems there. But they don't come across as serious. They never do. They always back down on the principle of challenging corporations and the international community and the global corporations, 
the authoritarianism that follows them and the monopolies they hold when it is actual principled libertarians or or even at some points conservatives or republicans that are standing up in defiance of the corporate entities and this this was something that bothered me for a long time i i watch you know i watch politics and i watch these the team players you know i watch the left i watch the right and they they have principle when it's convenient now this isn't true for everyone this is i'm just i'm speaking in generalities because this is the majority of the voting population that are heavily political, that, that, that are entrenched in politics, knee-deep in the culture war. Um, and, and so these are the types of people I kind of pay attention to. Not necessarily, I would say even some thought leaders you could put into this category. You could, you could say someone like a Jimmy Dore, Matt Taibbi, Glenn Greenwald, um, Glenn Beck on the other side, uh, Alex Jones possibly, are standing some principle. And they don't really sway too much on, on their opinions or, or not even their opinions, but they don't sway on their principle very easily, uh, though you see it at times. But you'll have someone like um, a Ben Shapiro or I'm trying to think on the other side, um, like a Kyle Kalinske that are kind of, they're, they're principled when it's suitable. Now, I, I don't mind Kyle Kalinske that much. Uh, he's, he's actually pretty honest and he's pretty good but there are times where i i listen to him and i'm like wait 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 that's that's not right and i'm i'm struggling to think of a um for instance off the top of my head but maybe like a chank uger like you know like he he kind of he'll kind of sway back and forth you know justice democrats democrat party you know democrat socialists of america and it just kind of depends he kind of goes where the wind's blowing him he, he doesn't seem to really stand on any principle he's more defiant of the opposition than he is standing for anything and that's how the majority of the voting public is so it doesn't hurt these people to go wherever the wind is blowing, wherever the political winds are blowing, similar to how a politician does. Because they're not standing firm in any principle. They they are they they utilize their principles whenever they feel it's beneficial, but whenever those principles 
fly in the face of their desired outcome, they will absolutely abandon those principles. So when you, when I'm watching the political dialogue on social media or I'm in, involved in a conversation with somebody, I'm always trying to make sure that I'm coming from a place where I'm trying to understand where they're coming from. And I don't really have a utilitarian mindset. I don't, I don't look at the ends justifying the means. And that could be a blind spot on my part. Maybe that's what I'm missing. Maybe that's what the Liberty movement is missing and ends justifies the means. Um, kind of argument, but that would lead you to, you know, that could lead you to like a Pinochet or, or something like that. And then you're living up to the expectations of more of the, the Marxist uh, statist thinkers that like to demonize the Liberty movement as neo-Nazis or neo-Confederates or white supremacists, or, you, you know, you end up falling into these categories that have been made up for you and becoming a caricature as opposed to actual principle. And where's, there's an argument to be made on how to utilize um, your, your principles in such a way that are effective. The liberty movement hasn't been necessarily that strategically um, how, how, would I, how yeah I can't think of a fucking word I'm like stumbling over myself here um, they, they haven't been very successful in implementing a strategy that that utilizes principle in such a way that it attracts a multitude of of, of like-minded individuals, with the exception of maybe a Ron Paul, um, a Tom Woods, Dave Smith. Um, I, I don't know the conversion rate of Pete, but I know a lot of people listen to his show. Um, but the, the conversion rate of the Liberty model and the principled stand is is not satisfactory to say the least okay and so I look at how these international corporations these marketing geniuses and say what you want about the the corruption, the cronyism, the corporatism, the globalism, the the expansionism of these corporations, and the moral decay and the lack of principle of a political ideology. That the fact is, there is something to be learned. In such a, in, 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 in watching this 
the the framework and how these enemies of of leftists actually kind of lead them along with a carrot. Uh, you know, it's kind of like a, a carrot stick, you know, kind of thing. They just kind of dangle that carrot out in front of them and they get them to move in the directions they want them to, to move to defend and, and fight the battles they want them to fight. And I find it interesting. And I haven't studied in grave detail the cultural left in such a way that I could tell you like what's on the horizon or or their ultimate goals. And mainly because I'm not really that interested in their in their their cultural kind of movements it, it, it is I, I kind of watch it and I'm like it, it doesn't make much sense to me um, maybe it's because I come from such an individualistic point of view that when I look when I when I listen to anybody speak in a hegemonic you know kind of language it's like I, I, I don't even really it doesn't register to me that I'm even included in this. I'm like, okay, what are you, okay, so? You know, just a small example is this, this week it, it came out that Latinos had turned out big for Donald Trump, especially in Florida. And they're being attacked by Black Lives Matter and Antifa and other leftist organizations and groups as uh, being it's like polluted or, you know, tainted, tarnished by whiteness. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Because they voted for Donald Trump because they thought, well, you know, what what he's done or what he says he'll do or what he stands against, um, you know, speaks to me. <clears throat> I don't, it's not an idea of a color. And I, you know, just a sidebar, like this, this strikes me as, is something. And I heard somebody bragging about this at one time. They said they were, I don't remember if it was in a movie or where it was, but it was something I heard that was really strange. It was, and it, it, it was this, it was this lady. She was, she was talking to this guy and she, she told him, she goes, you know, here in, I think it was in France, here in France, we're French. That's what we are. If you go to Germany, they're German. If you go to Italy, they're Italian. She said, but in America, you have African-Americans and Chinese-Americans and Cuban-Americans and, and, you know, this American and that American. And y'all have this, the hyphenated American. And she, 
And she was complimenting America on this aspect of of the American way of life, the the melting pot idea. And I was thinking about it, and I was like, well, the the division within America, the red America, blue America, the the conservative America, progressive America, the economic freedom versus social freedom is kind of baked into the cake of who we are. It's a division that's long sewn into the fabric of the of the country in such a way it, it feels like it was designed to conglomerate power. Now, you could argue that maybe there was um, positives to the the hyphenizing uh, of of different groups and classes and organizations within America. You could also claim that there were absolute evils involved whenever you you discuss you know African Americans and and the enslavement of of the black people in the United States for hundreds of years. Well, not in the United States, but on the continent of North America for hundreds of years. Um, And so, but I'm not sure that that is, it's almost, okay, so maybe it's just a continuation, and I'm just thinking out loud here, maybe it's just a continuation of kind of the federalist mindset and, and the mindset that the states were nation states like Texas was it was considered a nation that the that the entirety of the United States was not within itself meant to be one nation or one country but a a found a foundation uh, a confederation of uh, many nation states in order to work together at, in, in unity um, and protecting, you know, the national borders, the, the, uh, the, the borders that surrounded the, the whole unit and uh, the guarantee of, of, of trade and peace among these nations. And I think that's a, that's a fair assessment that, that this kind of tribal aspect built into the framework and the cake of America is is incorporated in such a way to separate not not groups from groups, but to draw the uh, lines in the sand that. We're not one singular nation, one singular country that each of us is is self-governing and that we live within the communities that we chose to live within, to to be around like-minded individuals, to to design our communities in such a way that we are 
are governing, you know, uh, again, self-governing, governing ourselves, coming up with the best systems for for our own communities in which we will thrive and we will strive and that it it's not to separate us necessarily from each other but to separate us from a larger compact of a of a singular nation state and to keep that to kind of keep those ideas and the individualism the small self-governance idea alive within ourselves so but when when the as the federal government has grown and they begin to utilize and 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 to and to to step into these communities and to take away the 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 sovereignty and the self-governance of these communities and of these individuals and of, of each and every one of us then they learn to utilize these identities and these hyphenations as as propaganda tools and you using our tribal nature and our self identity against us in such a way that that continues to grant them power. And knowing that historically the dividing lines in this country of the governed and the governors or the governing was was a corporate line drawn by drawn in the sand with you know, at, at the behest of the of the of the government of the king of England, and that prior to the revolution, and then that, and then during the revolution or after the revolution, there was a continuation of protecting the opulent minority from the majority. And where, while I see the benefit in this to an extent i can also see how it evolved and you know got got corrupted and and just became this large monolithic structure of picking winners and losers to to Increase the wealth of some at the expense of the many. And you see that I'm getting back to my main point here of the the conglomerate conglomeration of the left and, and the corporations. I promise it's it's just kind of like this, you know, flow of, of thought, this free flow of information running through my head and, and how I'm thinking about these things that are on my mind. So. Excuse me for kind of drifting here, but but you look back. Okay, so if you look back as far as the New Deal, and this is where a lot of progressives like to start history of as far as 
the 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 good of America. Like if you ask a progressive what what is the best part of America's history, many people will turn to FDR and look at the New Deal. And so you start looking at what was going on here, and it was it was a further conglomeration of of corporations and government in which government was was much more involved. And since the New Deal, the the growth of corporations on the government dole through corporate welfare and subsidies and regulations to to keep out the you know smaller businesses from competing was was sold to the American public as good for the American people. Now, this to me, obviously, when you look at it on its face, you can just look at it and you can see that what Reagan did, this this idea that the, the left hates so much about Ronald Reagan with the trickle-down economics started with the New Deal, was at least extended and amplified by the New Deal, which led, which was a direct, you know, coral correlation or a direct cause causation of the Reagan administration and the way they dealt with business right because they were there was the the continued regulations from the new deal forward to create this trickle down effect to where the more money the corporations made the more money they had to pay you therefore your livelihood is 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 dependent on the corporations who are directly tied to the government therefore your livelihood is directly tied to the government right so the better that the the, the gdp the the better you were the better the corporations did the better you were and therefore when when the bust of a cycle comes around and the money printing begins, you bail out the corporations so the corporations can trickle down the money to the to the individuals. This is just a, a, a linear uh, conclusion of of the New Deal and how the New Deal so strongly. It almost sealed the the already existing relationship between corporation and government. And as these corporations grew, they they began developing these these different relationships overseas, and they began to get into these overseas deals with foreign governments. And so now you have what we see today as international corporations, which is kind of a, I don't know how modern it is. I mean, if you look at the Rockefellers and the Rothschilds, they, they operated in, in multiple, in the international waters, in banking and oil. And, but with the, 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 
just the uh, the strength at which these corporations and the size at which they operate today, um, the the benefit of contracts that they get, um, it's it's just completely grown out of control. And it was not for lack of government oversight. It was due to the government's involvement with these companies and these corporations. So the left protests these movements and and they look back to the New Deal and say, that's what we want, what y'all are doing, we don't want, without tying in, well, this is how this happened. This was this was a result of the New Deal. This this all stems from that. And yes, it goes back further. You can move back into the progressive era, uh, into the construction of the railroads. You can trace it all the way back to prior to the founding of the of the United States and, and the feudalism and how the feudalism, you know, transformed into these neo-feudal colonies and we can go back, you know, as far as we would like to, but it's it's all a direct result, and in the in the amplification and the intensification of the, especially the income inequality that was created under this system and under this mold was was definitely um, sped up by the New Deal. And so when they look back at that, I, I tend to look at that and say, okay, like what, what is it about that that they like so much that that is, is such a, a draw to the the left that they think was so wonderful about the new deal. And I see the social programs that were, that were brought in. And I realize that this corporate left partnership traces back to the new deal and that the revolt against corporations is not the desire to see the corporations crumble, but the desire to see the corporations utilize their power and influence in the government to move culture into the arms of the left. That the, the country, the United States, culturally has always been moving left for as long as I can trace it back, at least since the 60s. And they've culturally be, been, that, that this country has been tracking left since the 60s. And as the country tracks left, they drag the corporations along with them in order to keep up with modern times, 
conservatives just follow the corporations. So what the left has discovered is that if you can drag the corporations along with you, then you can manipulate the entire country to come along. So when you see that, like Andrew Breitbart's quote that uh, politics is downstream from culture, it's true. But why is it true? Because the left, if I were going to be generalizing in, in terminology, the true left are overeducated, upper class white kids. Historically, that's what they are. They're overeducated, upper class white kids. So they have a large percentage of the money, of the wealth, of the country. And in order for the corporations to market for a necessary profit, they must attract the wealth of the country. So they follow the culture, the dominant culture of the overeducated upper class white kids. <clears throat> and in moving with that that group, it drags the working class, the blue collar, and the entrepreneur and self-employed people along with it because they're trying to compete and keep up with the marketplace. And the marketplace, the economic marketplace, is following the cultural marketplace, the, the marketplace of ideas. That the economic marketplace in many, time, in, in many ways is determined and utilized by the overeducated upper class white kids to manipulate politics of the future. Now, I don't think corporations are oblivious to this. I think they know what they're doing. I think when you look at the global warming agenda and the investments of big oil companies, BP, Halliburton, the Rockefellers, into green energy and the acceleration of the movement to these industries in the last few years you'll see the money flowing in the direction of these industries away from oil away from fracking away from coal 
away from the blue collar working class, you'll see the money flowing towards the green energy field and the progressive leftist movements defending and almost worshiping at the feet of those that preach green energy. So their ability to see the cultural norms, the leftist cause, knowing how to deliver a message that speaks to the moral superiority of the white liberal class, of the WASP, and you, they utilizing, using the left against the political class and the conservatives in order to benefit themselves and increase their own financial stability in the market, knowing that the overeducated wasp will drag the culture along with it, drag the political class and the conservative, the conservatives, the working class along with it into these new technological fields, they've discovered a way to utilize and use these leftist movements as a bludgeon against the rest of humanity in order to accomplish their goals on a global scale. So when you see things like the Great Reset, you start hearing terms like stakeholder capitalism. And then suddenly, your typical leftist on the street with their blue hair and bag of body parts starts screeching about stakeholder capitalism you, re you can recognize immediately that what it is, it is the corporate, the international globalist corporate class having manipulated the conversation in such a way to sound like the, the entrepreneur, that the individualist, the, the, the self-employed worker is morally bankrupt and that they should be working in conglomeration with the corporate entities for the betterment of mankind in order to funnel all the wealth through the corporations to allow the corporations to distribute the wealth properly among all people, not for a better path for yourself not to 
examine your own self-interest, the interest of your future generations, and to try to create and leave a legacy that will be lasting for them. But to distribute amongst everyone in such a way that exalts the corporate class, the global corporate elitists to a default position of global governance above and beyond any state or federal government so that the federal governments run their social programs and their economic systems through the global elite in order to suppress or appease the corporatist left that will riot and loot and cause civil unrest among the nations. And it's something, like I said, it's just something I've been stewing on for, I don't know, probably four or five months now. This odd marriage between the left, the socialist left, the progressive left, and this globalist corporatism, these global elites, and that When you hear the rhetoric of the left, you would think they despise these people. But when you watch the actions and how it all manifests in public life, you realize that the left and the corporatists are using each other wittingly or not to move all of humanity into their chosen, their their preferred system for the benefit of a few. And when Kamala Harris comes out and says that the goal is that everybody ends up with exactly the same outcome. It ties together the ideas that in order for that to happen, we must funnel all choice or forfeit all choice lest you make a bad decision and therefore create a worse outcome for yourself in order to force another person to provide and to lift you back up to the equitable position of 
singular outcome that will only be good for all people. And in order to do that, we must funnel all wealth, all, all economics must rain down upon us from the global elite corporatists so that they may distribute this wealth equally and equitably among all of mankind. And in doing so, in, in creating this world, they use the morally superior left, the overeducated upper-class white kids, and their Marxist ideologies in steering the every nation into the bosom of a corporate elite communist global system which I haven't found a good name for that what was that maybe uh, GEC global elite corporatist communist I don't, I don't know I'm just messing around GEC I like that those GEC people um, but it's it's an attempt, whether from Bill Gates or George Soros or any of these fucking international business conglomerates operating overseas. Hunter Biden, maybe Joe Biden, I guess, and his international business dealings. Um, any of these people, it's, it's their attempt to continue the social Darwinism of, of an Aldous Huxley, the social engineering that was, that has been so praised for a hundred years by the Anglophiles and the, the bankers and the global elite. But to believe, and see, here's where people make a mistake. They don't have to conspire. They don't have to get together in a dark room and make all these plans. They all go to the same types of places. They read the same types of books. They grew up with the same ideas. They have their purpose in life. They're parts, part of the same secret organizations. And so to they make their moves independently. Understanding 
what the cultural, the dominant cultural ideology is, that moving it and that that shifting with it and that appeasing the moral, morally superior, upper class, overeducated white kids is how you adjust the culture that they are merely a but a a piece a a slight they're they're a tool or a body part of an idea of a god you might say operating to create what they see as a utopia as a machine might and so as as they are moving and they are functioning and almost in conjunction towards a certain goal in their minds it's a goal of enlightenment for the world, uh, an equitable outcome for all of mankind. And it is, they have been entrusted with this wealth and this illumination, this enlightenment, in order to shift and mold society into their own image and into their own idea that the manifestation of the idea, the God they serve into reality among society is a new Eden in their minds. And so using authoritarian or totalitarian methods to reach the goal is ultimately a net benefit for all of humanity. And that as they shuffle the kiddies along the assembly line of the education system and spit them out the other end, that they they have they have been perfectly molded into the form of the proper function for their class and that everybody in each class is equitable in their class so that when you walk out your front door You see you everywhere. You see your same standard of living. You see your same standard of 
entertainment. You see your same standard of education everywhere you go. And that these tears never cross streams, so to speak. And so they use the cultural left to their benefit because they've sold this ideology upon the overeducated rich white kids in order to create a wave of momentum to move the rest of the country. So I think I, I think it was I don't know if it was Michael Malice or Pete. I'm sure somebody could let me know. But they had uh, posted, I think it was tweet, a, a tweet they had, they had put out there that said, pointing out the out hypocrisy is a blue pill um, method or, or, or something tactic, I think is what he said. Pointing out hypocrisy is a blue pill tactic. And when I read it, I had to I had to soak it in. I was like, wait, what? Like, do people not want people don't want to be hypocrites, right? And when I started like running through what I was witnessing around me and the hypocrisy of everyone, even those that try to be the most consistent, libertarians do try to be consistent. I'm fully aware of it, but I do see a hypocrisy within the liberty movement and it's not intentional. Nobody sets out, I don't think, to be intentionally, you know, uh, uh, hypocritical, but there's this human element that allows for flaws and, and gaps in thinking and reasoning and so there, so so you you're always open to uh, a possible hypocrisy in in your logic, in your reasoning, in your methods, in your in your movements, and that allowed me, along with the last podcast that that Pete put out with Vin Armani, it kind of broke. Like a wall down that was that I was I was trying to to figure this corporatist left idea out in my head, like what is happening here and why is it happening? And I'm reading on the Great Reset and I'm I'm looking at, you know, the white supremacy that is critical race theory. Um, I'm, I'm looking at Thaddeus Russell's book. And, and his ideas on race, Camille Foster's ideas on race. And I'm trying to put all these things together in my own mind. And I'm, it just kind of, when I listened to the, the podcast with Ben Armani and Pete, uh, Pete Quinones, and if you haven't heard it, it's, it's fucking phenomenal. 
it's like it, it shattered whatever that barrier that was in my way. It kind of kind of removed scales from my eyes so that I could that I could see like, oh, that's what I'm seeing. This is what I'm witnessing. This is where why I'm like so kind of like obsessed with looking at this and and talking to leftists and trying to figure out like how does your mind work what are the principles that you're trying to espouse like what are you what are you doing and you know whereas sometimes you're talking to these people and you're like man these people are fucking lunatics or they're looking like you know progress has become regressive and you know you're you're like kind of like you know then you have these people calling it the regressive left and i'm like wait 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 no 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 no. it's more than that there's something else happening here and it it's it's kind of like that that quote from um from the trotsky movie or series that was on netflix and he said our ultimate goal is always revolution but as long as, as long as the government continues to give us stuff to try to appease our needs and to keep us satisfied and placate us, we're going to take it. But we'll never stop moving towards revolution. So it's like, we're going to, you, you keep giving us shit. Like, we're going to take whatever you give us and we're going to act like we're all happy and satisfied with what you're giving us. But behind the scenes, we are continuously marching to the ultimate goal of revolution. No matter what you do, no matter what you say, no matter how hard you work to appease our needs and our desires and, and give us what we want, what we truly want is power. And the way that we're going to accumulate that power is through revolution. And... That's kind of what I'm looking at here, that the left is like, OK, yeah, like you keep we're, we'll, we'll you'll be our last victims. You'll be the last ones we put up against the wall. We'll just keep riding your coattails to create this stakeholder capitalism economic system worldwide and once it's implemented once we've perfected the use we've used your power and influence globally then we'll creep up in there then our revolution will really peak and the elite globalist billionaire corporatists the GEC are sitting there thinking, well, in order to create the system in which all wealth is funneled from the people through the government into our hands so that we may redistribute it, redistribute it globally in an equitable manner we must tie ourselves 
to the ideology, to the cultural ideology that is most, I wouldn't say most dominant, most aggressive in its, in its trek forward, in its momentum. The, the cultural ideology that is constantly on the rise and on the move and that, that actually shapes political will. And if you've been paying attention at all over the last few decades, the left, the cultural ideology of the left is what moves the political winds. So you have this unholy alliance between the corporatists and the left in order to shape political will, shape the political environment into their more aggressive vision which tears at the threads of the sovereignty of all of us. And that's at least from what I can you know like kind of how the way that my mind is is able to to actually like put it together like the the, the, the hypocritical nature of the billionaire class and the anti-billionaires it, it it's it's the only method it's the only sustainable or not sustainable the only uh sensical explanation for what I'm watching happen in front of me. So that is my stream of conscience for, for the day. Just wanted to throw that out there because I thought there was a lot. It's just something that I, I felt like I needed to explore and who better to explore with than you guys. So, I will talk to y'all later. I'm Tommy Salmons. Late.